Hey everyone, how are you? I hope you're doing well. Um, it's been a fairly decent week here in our little lockdown situation. Um, I've actually been uh, deep in the mixing process of this new solo album that I was recording right up until the whole COVID situation came crashing down, even that the last session we did in the studio, um, you know, things were getting kind of weird. People were wondering about you know, how many people can be in the studio at once, how far should we stand away from each other. And, and that, I mean, that was a month ago now. And um, we're in the mixing process at the moment. I'm doing it with Andy Lawson from DeBasis Studios. And he's miles away at his place. And what he's been doing is he's mixing the songs and he'll send me this link. And I click it and I can hear live what he's doing in Pro Tools to the song. So if he's playing with drums or soloing bass tracks, I'm just hearing that, you know, at the same time, drinking a beer in my apartment, texting him notes and and we're going back and forth like that. So it's, 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 all, it's all felt very, very future, which, which has been kind of cool. Um, but apart from that, you know, it's just been a lot of drinking wine, a lot of going for walks. Don't know what to tell you. You know, but this morning I uh, got up early-ish and had a chat to my very good friend, Lucy Peach, who's a fantastic singer-songwriter. We've known each other a very long time. Uh, we've made music together, played shows together, um, and she was kind enough to crawl up into her roof space and uh, record our podcast conversation um, or interview, whatever you like to call it, remotely. Um, and we talked about the new book she has out called Period Queen. Uh, we talked about lunar cycles. Uh, we talked about a lot of stuff. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, here is episode four with Lucy Peach. I did it on okay, three. Okay, I'm recording. Me too. You did it on three. I did it on three. <laughs> and we're on. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> How are you going? Out of ten. Out of ten. Uh, on this fine Sunday morning. What day is it? Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, look, I'd give myself a solid 6.8. 6.8. With a possible top of 8.2. Okay, so there's room to move. Definitely room to move. You better bring it, Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes, I know. Yesterday you were you were going on a, a big bush walk. Yeah, I didn't go. I didn't think so because you said that was going to happen. Then I looked out the window and it started pissing down with rain. It really did. I took my um, niece and nephew to the park and rode around and was a dinosaur and a mermaid for two hours, and then I was exhausted. I mean, do you know anyone with small children who's home alone? Uh, yes. Yep. Yep. My cousin has um, four of the things. All right. Yeah, and uh, they're absolutely mental. But yeah, I've heard all about. I've heard. I heard how exhausting it was for my parents all my life. I've heard. I've heard about that. Oh really? And then I've watched from afar you as were other exhausting. people. Are, I, I was exhausting. Yeah, I, I I got out a lot of my energy in in my early years because mm. now you're lucky to get me off the couch. But there was a time where I was one of those kids on the reins. Do they have those anymore? I feel like I know that. I feel like I have I have some knowledge of that somewhere. But even if I hadn't known that, I I deeply understand that you're one of those kids on the road. 
<laughs> well, that says a lot if you can see that in me now because it usually surprises people. Well, but, I mean, I'm older than you and I remember when they were fairly, I mean, I wouldn't say they were normal, but they were, you saw them around, you know? Yes. Well, th- thank you for including that, that bit of context in, 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 in this conversation. Yeah, I don't think you were the only one. I think it was, you know, I mean, back then, I mean, people put their kids in pens and, you know, <laughs> well, it's changed. Um, well, I was so, um, I, was, I was always so likely to just storm off and just run, you know, in any oh, direction, go climb trees. I was a bolter and I'd climb trees and climb things and jump off them. And, yeah. and I think it was as simple as um, trying to make sure I didn't run across a main road and get flattened. Well, thank goodness you didn't. I just need to but move. Mum says that I used to like... <laughs> I must have been. I must have been like a dog in that I would, if we were going to go anywhere, I would just kind of go up to my mum in the house holding the no, reins. No, you didn't. Like, you did not. <laughs> Rudolph. <laughs> oh dear. So you had a positive yeah. association with the reins. No, I hated oh, it. But you no. knew that that's what was required to get out. I must have done. I don't remember doing that. No. Mum told. Mum likes to tell that story. Okay. Has she still got yeah. the reins? Oh, yeah, maybe in a scrapbook somewhere, you know, a very big scrapbook. Can you hear Richard beating the eggs? What does that mean? Oh, yes, I can. Hey, Richie. That's fine, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I just feel like I've come into the roof. That is Richard, your husband. That is Richard, my husband, yeah. My, um, my uh, isolation buddy. So you've got the family of three in a house isolation situation. Well, we've got, we both have a child to another person. So we've got uh, two kids on rotation. Um, Mostly uh, there are three and then sometimes there are four and sometimes there are two. Mm. Yeah. And how's this whole thing gone with... Is that what we're talking your, about, you know, Corona? Is, are we touching Corona base? We can talk about anything. Okay, but we're just... Because some people don't want to talk about Corona on their podcast. They're like, no, no, I don't want to acknowledge the uh, elephant in the room because it will date and then no one want to listen to it in six months' time. So I'm glad we can talk about Corona. I've been wanting to talk about it. I've had no one to talk to. I've found that by... Recording these things quite last minute and then putting them out the same night, anything we do touch upon um, corona-wise is not completely outdated by the time you right. know, people hear it tonight or tomorrow. Okay. Well, I think that's a good method, but I would say if you start thinking it's getting boring, just feel free to cut me off. <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, what was the question? Yeah. How, how have you gone with going into isolation and all your various... I guess, work commitments or life commitments. Like how, how has that segue been? I mean, for Marcia and I, we've just pretty much gone into complete lockdown mm. and we don't really go anywhere except for we're just going for little walks, different different routes, finding different places to go mm. and then occasionally going to the shops like once a mm. week. But we're in, we're in full hermit mm. mode. But, you know, we're, we're able to do that because we both work from home essentially anyway. Yeah. Apart from all the gigs that have been taken away mm. from you. Mm. So... <laughs> I know, right. Well, it's funny because I was actually just reflecting this morning that I think it's been a month. Mm. Um, I think for a lot of musicians, they were the first people to 
really, uh, well, here anyway, to really feel it full force because in 48 hours everything sort of evaporated. Um, and you know how in families there's always one person who's like, you know, the stressor and then everyone says, oh, wow, you know, they're always like that and they're just getting a bit stressed. But then over the next sort of week or two, everybody sort of came up to the level of the stressor and mm. um, everybody was pretty quickly on the same page. And I'm not normally the stressor, but I felt like I was definitely the stressor at the beginning. And there was this weird sort of feeling of um, surrender, I felt, when in such a short period of time, everything just kind of melted away. And like my book tour and going to do um, festivals in, you know, over East. I was going to be doing this festival with Richard for my greatest period ever called um, the Festival of Dangerous Ideas. Have you heard of it? I have, yeah. So it was in its 10th year and there was Peter Singer, there was Edward Snowden, um, <laughs> Kevin Rudd, like... It's kind of a, a keynote speech panel talk kind of festival, isn't it? Yeah, so it goes for three days and there are people that speak and it's all kind of based around the Sydney Town Hall and, um, and yeah, there are, I think there are, yeah, panel things but people generally sort of do their own thing or talk about their own thing. So, yeah, those are all of, the, all of these things that I was really excited about. And I guess like a lot of people sort of my age, you know, that feeling, I just had this feeling this year that I'd worked so hard to all of, for all of these things and it was all just kind of aligning and magically kind of just like it was just right there and I could just see it and taste it and I was like, yes, oh, just so excited for this year. Um, and then it all just melted away and... My first reaction was, I don't know, it just felt like pretty liberating that you think you have all of these plans and that you're so important and there's all of these sure things and then they all just disappear. And to be honest, the idea of spending a lot of time with my family and my kids and in the garden and cooking and whatever kind of um, had a certain romantic appeal, I'm not going to lie. And... And, yeah, since then, I think, as my mum said, I have swung from the chandelier of every emotion and, yeah, it's it's a big time. It's a really big time. I guess it's that whole kind of need to reimagine things and and while you don't know what that is and what that's going to be, you kind of just have to sit in that space of discomfort and have some faith that something will work out. Because it will, but, um, yeah, that's just – that. I mean, I when I was at university and there were long – you know, the long holidays, I used to get depressed every single time after about a week, you know. What am I doing with my life? Where's it going? Tim, tell that story about how you get depressed when you haven't had lunch. Oh, yeah, you, you love this one, don't you? Oh, well, I, I don't know if it's it. much of a story. I, just, I think I mentioned to you once that sometimes I – I, I start thinking, what am I doing with my life? You know, what's the point of all these songs I'm writing? You know, it's, which I... is a natural question to ask when you work a lot of time by yourself and you, you know, you, you kind of in this introspective world. Yeah, and I'm staring into the big great void and wondering what it's all for. And then I, and, uh, but then sometimes I will realize that I literally just haven't eaten lunch yet. 
And it's 4 p.m. And it's 4 p.m. And that's all I needed to do. Yeah. And I did, I think I mentioned that to you once. And then I was doing a songwriting workshop at a uni and someone told me that you'd been there the week before and told <laughs> told that story. <laughs> totally good story. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Well, and, it, you know, it's that whole thing of we're just little animals really and we need all the things and um, I guess now particularly when all of the structures that hold your life together have sort of um, changed, it's, it is important to have those things just to make you feel a bit yeah. normal. You have yeah. to allow yourself to process everything that's going on right now in your own way mm. and not feel dictated about how you're supposed to feel about things. I, I, I feel like speaking to some friends and seeing, you know, on my Facebook feed, everyone's got uh, their take on the whole situation and how to respond to going into lockdown. And, you know, some people are on the side of, oh, this is great. There's a great time to, you know, prepare for, you know, that, you know, in six months' time, you know, get your website in order, do your taxes, blah, blah, blah. Some people are just losing the plot completely and mm. don't know what to do with themselves and... Mm. I guess you can feel like it's not okay to be depressed by it sometimes, you know, when you see other people, um, you know, I guess trying to act like gurus in, about what to do in isolation and everyone's kind of looking to other people on how they're supposed to process this, you know, but it seems like there's no, no one really knows what to do in this situation because it's never happened in any of our lifetimes anyway. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's unprecedented. That's true. And I think that whole game of thinking, you know, well, at least I'm not, you know, as worse off as those people. It's a bit of a shit sandwich. Mm. Um, and yeah, I saw something the other day that said, I was trying to work out where to put my lamp. I think it's melting things. Is that? Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> I saw something the other day and it said how, um, yeah, some people kind of, you know, when they're stressed in any situation, you know, be it related to a pandemic, they um, they go into overdrive or they just kind of slow down. And I definitely think I fall into the latter category. I've just, you know, I've been making slices out of, you know, like um, when you have a tin of wheat bix and you get to the bottom and there's all those flakes that no one will eat. Yes. I'm ashamed to say that I used to just throw them away because no one would eat them. I mean, I wouldn't eat Weet-Bix if you paid me. We evolved for a reason. Well, we really did. And so now um, I use those flakes and make these slices with all of this other stuff in there, mainly sugar. And the purpose and meaning that I am deriving <laughs> from refashioning Weet-Bix flakes... And um, look, to be honest, I've been watching a lot of Downton Abbey. <laughs> and, are we going uh, to see this this flake hack on one of those viral videos? You know those guys in a, there's always a guy in a toga living in a sea container out in the Alps somewhere who's figured out how to power a light bulb with his self esteem. You know, like yeah, one of those yeah. off grid. You know, I, I, look, I don't think I've done anything original except I added cardamom, which I thought was was. Um, Pretty inspired, but no. Part of them goes a long way around here. It's pretty special. Mm. Yeah. Um, Marcia just put a sticky note on my <laughs> table saying, get Lucy to talk about her new book, which is actually something we both really want to know about because I know yeah. you've written a book. I knew that you were writing a book, 
and yeah. I wanted to know when I could read this book. Um, yeah. But I guess are we all going to wait just a little bit longer? Because it's not really – is it out yet or is it – It's available for pre-order. It's officially out June 2nd. But, I mean, out – no one can go out, so I don't know where it's going. <laughs> I guess people can just buy it and it will be <clears throat> excuse sure. me. Sure. I had It'd seen be... some reviews floating around, but I got the impression it was available. Didn't you put up a review of, of the book? A review. Oh no, I think that might have been my publisher just, oh, just right. saying, you know You write your own reviews. We endorse Lucy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's out June second. Um, yeah. What do you want to know? What do you know? Well, it's not so much about what I know, but about what people potentially listening to this may want to know, which well, is, that's... I think, everything. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, is the book kind of an extension of the My Greatest Period Ever shows? Yes. In some ways, it is. It's. Um, it's Why don't, maybe uh... maybe just tell tell people listening about what that show is. For a yeah. start. Okay, so My Greatest Period Ever is, um, I guess it's a theatre show. It's half songs and half stories and all of it is animated live. <clears throat> Excuse me, there must be some faecal rat matter in my roof. Half songs, half stories and Richard animates it live and... We've been doing it for about um, three and a half years and it's sort of evolved and grown um, to become quite interactive. So I have capes and I give capes out to women in the audience, sometimes to men, and I mm -hmm. give out wine and chocolate and um, we just, uh, well, we take people on a journey through the emotional landscape of the menstrual cycle. And this whole idea was born about because I was a human biology teacher and then I was a sexual health educator and um, a lot of what I did felt very uh, reactive and, um, you know, that you were sort of giving kids the bare minimum and sending them on their merry way and telling them how not to get pregnant and die and... And I just realised um, how reductive that was and how for young women particularly to not understand what's going on inside of their bodies above and beyond how to manage it um, is a really missed opportunity because, you know, this whole idea of women being emotional and unpredictable and um, irrational and, you know, we've all sort of heard those things being talked about um, uh, and they, they're they very sort of linked to our hormones and it's all just sort of viewed through a pretty crappy lens and I guess, you know, um, it was really when I read this one particular book called The Optimised Woman um, by Miranda Gray in about 2008 that I was able to kind of make the connection to how I changed throughout the month and how I could use that to write music, you know, because, yeah, there's, I guess there's so many ways to channel your creativity and, you know, that's just a big gift that you have. And um, if you're not using it, you know, it's like anything when you have a gift and you don't use it, it kind of 
can fester. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because the way you map it out in the show, it's sort of you lay it out like the whole cycle is like this blueprint or this matrix grid that if you it's it's almost like a map on how to fully capitalize on your potential with, you know, your emotions and when's the best time to make these kind of decisions. Mm. And I, I found I found the show. I saw an early version of it. I think at, at the mm-hmm. Brisbane. I don't know how much the show's evolved. Oh yeah, that was after the first run, and that was when we were doing some development. Yeah, at Lazy Susan's, that little comedy. Yeah, it was cool. It was such a fun night. We were we were right uh, in front of this row of uh, very drunk lesbians that were providing all the woos of of the evening. And I, I think when <laughs> at the end of the show you said, "Should we give Richard a mic?" I think they were the ones that were saying no. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't, as 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 Richard got a, had had a microphone since then. Oh, look, he does, and he has a few, you know, well timed uh, moments of expression. Because he's sitting there with an iPad, kind of illustrating what you're talking or singing about in the show, right? Yeah. And that's kind of how the, how the show works. It's you out the front. You're doing the show. It's like a one-woman show, but he's off to the side on a chair. That, yeah, he's illustrating just, on an iPad, and you can see it on a screen behind you. And it's yeah, yeah. and it's kind of interlaced with a lot of your songs. Um, you you kind of made an, an EP to coincide with the show. Yeah. So when I first wrote the show, I used songs that I already had, and I kind of retrofitted them to the four phases of the menstrual cycle. I think I wrote, I wrote one song, and it was called. Zero fucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else, I sort of used what I already had. And then, you know, when it went so well, I really wanted to kind of explore what it would feel like to capture those feelings in, in as, as much of its sort of essence as I could and use those. So I kind of journaled where I was in my cycle for a couple of years nothing too onerous, just, you know, I'm day 10 and I'm feeling really energetic and I'm impatient and I want to shake some shit up or I'm day 28 and I want to rip my eyes out and I don't want to talk to anyone or, you know, I just kind of, and I would record my dreams as well. And then um, I had five days in between some shows and I was in Melbourne and I knew that this was coming up and I thought, oh, well, I could go and hang out in Fitzroy and have a really good time. And then I checked my calendar and I realised that it was um, when I was going to be premenstrual. And I thought, okay, this is perfect. And so, um, you know, that's a really good time when you're premenstrual is to channel that creativity because it's kind of when you, you sort of, you still have a lot of energy, but it's kind of fizzy and you just don't care what anyone thinks. And that's such a great place to come from when you're, trying to be creative because mm. you kind of lose all of that, oh, but people might think this or they might think that's silly or it's like, who cares? So I took all of these um, journalings and my little home recording set up and I went and stayed in this cabin in Bright in Victoria and it was autumn at the time. So I was in my literal hormonal autumn, which is when you're premenstrual. It was autumn and I had all this work to do and I made this big enormous pot of dal and I just tooted my way through the week and I wrote a song every day and then at 8pm I'd record what I'd done and and then after five days I rewarded myself with a day op shopping after a coffee and I came sure. out with a lot of crochet and five new songs and, yeah, so then I recorded those with Joel 
and um, started using them in the show, sometimes live, sometimes as a backing track. And um, I'll be releasing those um, pretty soon in the next in the next month, actually. Oh, cool! They'll start coming out once a week. Yeah. How do you find the accuracy rate of knowing what day you're at versus what you apply to that date? As you said before, like, oh, it's this day, so I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do this thing. Yeah. Well, I guess like like you said before, you know, the map or the blueprint or the matrix. It's kind of like that's like the baseline you know, that you know is sort of going on. I mean, provided everything's all tickety-boo and you're healthy, like if you're not, if you're really stressed or, you know, your health is a bit awry, then your menstrual cycle is the first place that it's going to all sort of start to play out because obviously, you know, part of the reason why we menstruate is to be able to reproduce and if we're not in a good place in our bodies, then, um, you know, doesn't make sense that your body's going to want to reproduce if you're so stressed you can't ovulate. I digress. So you have this, yeah, understanding of, um, you know, being able to sort of look in your calendar and know, okay, this is coming up. I might kind of plan around this week in that way or I might plan to, you know, see my family or make some more phone calls while I'm in isolation to people that I care about, you know, around the time of ovulation because I genuinely want to connect and I'm feeling more empathic. But, I mean, this whole pandemic thing really does put a spanner in the works because, like you said before, we all just process things so differently and some people are more outward and some people are more inward. And um, it's, uh, you know, like, for instance, week two, week two of your cycle, once you finish your period, your body is ramping up to ovulate. So it's a really energetic time. It's I call it the time to do because you've had your period, you've kind of done all your self-care and your nurturing and you're ready to just put all of those kind of little nebulous ideas and dreams and just start ticking boxes and making things happen. Um, and so normally that's a pretty powerful, exciting, productive, rewarding time where everybody kind of, you know, responds quite well to you because you're achieving and you're being productive. But when you're in isolation and you can't do anything and it's like you have all of that energy coursing through you and you don't know where to put it, I mean, that can make you feel a bit stir-crazy. It's Week two is probably the most masculine time of the cycle because we do get a little shot of testosterone and I can only imagine what it would be like to get testosterone in the way that males and men get it. But to feel like you have all this energy but you've got nowhere to put it is, is like, quite frustrating. So I've just been thinking about, yeah, how to kind of speak to the cycle stuff at a time like this because um, it can definitely be a friend or it can um, just be an insight into why things are harder, you know. I th- if I recall correctly... Don't you say in the show, I think you say it's a Native American saying of this, it's a woman's superpower? Yeah, so the quote is, um, at a woman's first bleeding, she meets her power. Meets her power. In her bleeding years, she practices her power. At menopause, she becomes it. Wow, okay, yeah. The way you lay it out, it's like inside every woman there's this this map of just how to you know, potentially just get it right every time. And then for, for guys, I mean, you just, 
like I, I immediately think of um, when you were talking about, you know, recording your EP and lining that up with what day you're at. And then I thought of a male equivalent and I think of, you know, Neil Young only records when there's a full moon, you know. Is that true? That That is apparently true because when Daniel Lanois did uh, the record uh, Le Noise with Neil Young, mm. he said it was a hard one to record because Neil only works around the full moon cycle. Which is also the equivalent to ovulation and that actually really makes sense because, um, you know, when you sort of think about you know, the menstrual cycle and the lunar month and then both being, you know, around 28, 29 days. And yet men are more, um, you know, if if you like, in line with the solar every 24 hours. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that kind of speaks. I love that Neil Young only records on the film Full Moon. Yeah, like everyone's, you know, got their quirks, I guess. Yeah. Um, sometimes I have noticed that there is a full moon during a time where I'm feeling, you know, extra awake or extra creative. But I guess, you know, actually as you were doing with your, your dreams and, and, and everything, like really recording and logging where you're at. I would encourage you to to just go, okay, for three months or while we're in lockdown or whatever, just notice the moon a bit more. And just have a good mm. look at it. I was reading um, this book of poetry by um, Leonard Cohen uh, with Luke Ducks, and he turned to this page, and it was, um, I'm probably going to get it wrong, but he said, I should have been a better lover to the moon. I should have looked at her for longer. Might have been should have looked at it for longer. I should have looked for longer, something like that. Mm. And, um, and, you know, like, I think for so much of what I do, it's been really couched in, um, you know, well, I was a human biology teacher and it's science and it's all hormones and there's nothing too woo-woo here. And, you know, I, and people used to say, oh, and I love the show because it's not confronting and it's not challenging and you don't even talk about blood and it's just all, you know, makes everyone feel good. And lately I've sort of thought, okay, that's it. Once the book's out, I'm just going to go full woo-woo because... Um, I think that's the next frontier really is to kind of connect it all up and, um, you know, without wanting to put too much of a disclaimer on it, like. You've done rumours and now you need to do Tusk is what you're tusk, saying. You're going to get yeah. more, more uh, confrontational and maybe less accessible with further output of this 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 thing you do. Well, I just think people are ready to go to the next level and it's like, you know, we're all know how to recycle now and we're learning about compost and solar panels and now it's like you know yeah the menstrual cycle and cycles and and I think you know just because men don't have a menstrual cycle doesn't mean that they don't um dip into our sort of orbit and um you know go with the flow of that like it's um you know we're all, we've been living together for so long and and you know that whole sort of balance of the masculine and, and feminine, you know, no matter what gender you are, it's like. So in terms of where you might be on your cycle and how that relates to yeah, where you're at, has there been much uh, research into how this correlates with a person's mental health already? Um, I, well, there's so many parts to that because the other kind of elephant in the room is that, it, you know, for a lot of people that um, – are taking hormonal contraception, they're obviously 
for the most part, not ovulating. So they don't get all of those hormones. And for some people, maybe that's better. Maybe it isn't, but there's a very strong link between depression and hormonal contraception that's um, more prevalent in young women. So there's that. But yeah, I have heard of um, psychologists and counsellors who are starting to incorporate this into their practice as well, because you know, it, on on a pretty um, basic level, it's just mindfulness, you know, and it's not the be all and end all of everything all the time. But if you're able to kind of catch yourself before you start berating yourself about, you know, feeling inadequate or overwhelmed or not being enough, and you can just sort of stop and say, oh, actually, hang on, what day am I? And what might I need? And how can I best sort of take care of myself so that I can do what I need to do or, you know, whatever that is. So I don't know too much about studies or research. I would love to um, work with teenage girls in particular because I just sort of feel like really all this is doing is helping you strengthen your intuition and if you kind of have that embodied experience of just being able to check in with yourself and know that you're not crazy, which, you know, for a lot of people that's what they've been told or that's what they feel at certain times of the month, not mentioning any names except being premenstrual. I think it's really exciting to think about. And I guess, you know, the other the other thing is that, you know, you look at how women really fought, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, I mean, forever, but particularly then to sort of be equal in the corporate world you had to be the same. You had to be the same if you wanted to have the corner office or you wanted to be a boss or whatever. You had to kind of really deny parts of yourself, um, just like the way that men did sometimes. Yeah, in that corporate world, that's kind of across the board, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. You don't even, you don't, you know, you don't betray your emotions and you, you know you're productive. Well, is the theory there that people just become like ants? You know these. You yeah, know. it's dehumanising. It's dehumanising and I think, you know, we're starting to really understand how, you know, sometimes you get more done when you slow down, you know. Countries are more productive when they have a four-day week, when dads are allowed to spend time with their kids, you know, when people are allowed to have a stress day or they're allowed to have a mental health day or whatever. It's just we're starting to see on an economic level the benefit to treating people like human beings and if you're a woman and you've got a menstrual cycle then that's a part of it and and so you know it's all kind of connected isn't it and you've um expanded this into the book mm. that you're we're about to tour as well so i imagine you've been able to really delve into other people's stories a bit and 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 yeah. reach out beyond the realms of what the show could encompass is that kind of what you were doing yeah with this book? yeah and and what I try to sort of do, it's aimed sort of at um, 15 to 25-year-old women kind of broadly. Um, and I guess what I try to really do is think about all of the things that are really important um, when you're learning to woman and when is the best time to really um, sort of focus on those quests, if you like, and, you know, when you've got your period in week one, I call that the time to dream. And um, 
you know, just talking about the importance of, you know, being really tender with yourself and slowing down before you start again and um, being able to sort of turn the world down so that you can tap into all of those deep dreams and really work out what's at the bottom of everything and what you want to kind of grow and give life to next. And then, um, you know, um, when you're getting ready to ovulate in that second week and it's time to do, you know, being assertive and backing yourself. And, you know, I have had this theory, I don't know how well founded it is, I haven't really said it out loud properly yet, but that... Let's do it now. Okay, let's do it. You know that <laughs> whole concept of um, the imposter syndrome? Yes, I know it well. Yeah, yeah. And so it's pretty common in a lot of women who even could be quite high achievers. And I wondered if it's because, you know, every month you like you finished your period and your energy really does, you know, it's particularly if you've, you know, you've gotten enough rest and you've really kind of done what you needed to do to have a good period. And when you do that, you're really sort of setting yourself up for a good month. It's like you're putting in fuel and you're going to have enough to get you all the way through to the month. And if you don't put in enough fuel in week one, then you might, I mean, who knows where you'll get. You might conk out, you know, on day 16 and just, you know, everything goes cactus. But if you put in mm-hmm. enough fuel and you kind of, you know, mind yourself, then with um, all things going well, you should be able to get to the end and, you know, not skid in on empty and then, you know, be going in for another round without any time for resting. So, um, oh, shit, what was I talking about? The imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Tim. So you get to week two and then, you know, your energy starts to rise, your estrogen starting to rise and estrogen is like, um, estrogen is like, it's really fast, you know, it makes you really fast and, it, you know, you, 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 your thinking is quicker, everything's kind of just snapped into line and you can see this clear path and you're a little bit impatient you don't really want to talk about people's feelings because you can see the way out you just want to get the show on the road mm-hmm. and everything just it can feel like um it's kind of coming to you easily and because we don't teach girls or boys or whoever this whole idea of this kind of body literacy then whenever you feel this thing of like shit I'm nailing it I am just cracking along at a pace and everything's kind of working out and I'm really backing myself and it's all kind of feeling pretty good because we don't understand that 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 actually comes every month it feels like a fluke. Mm. So you have this week where you think, oh, my God, I'm really nailing it. And then it kind of feels like the rug gets pulled out, you know, after sort of ovulation's kind of worn off and your glow's wearing a bit thin and then you just feel like, oh, now I'm shit again and this always happens and why can't I just be awesome all the time? And so, yeah, I had this thought that I wonder if that's kind of tied in with the imposter syndrome experience because you you get used to feeling like I'm on fire and then it gets taken away, but you don't really, we don't really talk about the link between, you know, how we can perform, air quotes. Yeah, I mean, that imposter syndrome thing seems to be quite common in the performing arts across all genders, mm. really. But it's that is an, another thing that makes me like look at, you know, what you talk about in the show and it kind of... Uh, I left the show being like kind of jealous, like, oh, that's genius. You got a formula for that. You're jealous you don't have a period. (laughs) That's kind of, I think the show has that effect. That makes me so happy. 
But the uh, and the only thing I would say, not that I want you to, to feel jealous, is that that whole getting back to the being woo-woo but it's not, not bad too woo-woo. Jealousy. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah I, I know what you're saying. You're happy for us. <laughs> yes. Um, the moon stuff is another way of just looking up, noticing that something is changing and being more aware of cycles in general. It's not that weird. It's like night and day, seasons, going to sleep, waking up, you know, the sun, the moon, all of these things. We've evolved for so many, you know, billions of years from when we were single-celled amoeba to be responding to, you know, the planets and the whatever. And um, it just doesn't seem like it's that weird that it would have an effect on us. And um, I kind of started doing that uh last year about a year ago yeah I just started kind of um just thinking like I'm just going to pay a bit more attention to the moon I'm just going to do what Leonard Cohen said and just look for a little bit longer and just just be aware and you know sometimes you look up and there's just this little tiny fingernail and there's not much left and then it's the new moon and it's the beginning um and I'm not lying but within about six months my cycle aligned more closely to the moon so that I would get my period um, at the new moon, you know, when it's at the darkest, and then I would ovulate around the full moon. And so um, I just think that's really cool. Maybe I fluked it, maybe I'm being woo-woo, who cares. But one thing I, I say to people, even like trans people, trans women who don't have an embodied experience of having a menstrual cycle, but they want to feel more in line with what that means or understand um, I think the moon's a really great way to just pay attention to that and to be aware of it. And like right now, we're coming to the end of the moon cycle. I'm premenstrual as fuck. Um, and maybe I'm just projecting. But I feel like towards the end of the moon cycle, it's like the whole world's a little bit premenstrual. Everyone's kind of like, oh, it's kind of even. I don't want to start something new. I'm over it. I'm tired. I want to. I just don't want to. <laughs> and then there's a new moon, then it's like, oh, it's just the beginning again. We've known each other, I think, just over 10 years now. Mm. And mm-hmm. for so long, I always knew you as, you know, Lucy Peach, the songwriter and, and the musician. Um, but for a very long time, you you played a lot of shows, but you didn't really have any any releases coming out and it seems to me that when you went into doing that my greatest period ever show things just started to get bigger and better for you quite quickly like the show did really well your audience started to grow now there's the book um i see your name around a lot more in a in a, a greater capacity it seems that very much like it's more you than anything you were doing before. And it also seems like a very natural progression for you. Did you ever think before when you were mainly pursuing a music career that part of you wanted to do all these other things? Um, well, I think I've always loved sharing what I'm excited about. And, you know, when I first read this book in 2008, I just, I just couldn't believe how much understanding my cycle made me like myself more you know forget about being productive or you know all of those other things I just felt like I was nicer to myself 
And um, so I've been banging on about, you know, what that means and how you do that for a long time. And it's kind of like, have you ever really been into something and then you're kind of all over it and then it starts trending, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, this is awesome. I am ready for this. I feel like that just sort of happened. It was just like just a bit of divine timing and then people, it was just a conversation that was also happening outside of, you know, what I was doing. Um, And in terms of, you know, wanting to do more than just music, I mean, I I came to music pretty late and um, I just was sort of, um, I felt like I was on a really long apprenticeship and I was just kind of learning as much as I could um, but it it did sort of sometimes feel like a bit of a an uphill climb. You know what I mean? Like I don't feel like I ever really kind of hit my strides. Well, this new current Lucy Peach, you know, this kind of uh, all round, I don't know, period propagandist or whatever you <laughs> tra- prefer preacher. Pre- yeah, period preacher, traveling menstrual. Um, menstrual. It's going really well for you. And yeah, I see your it, audience just just growing since you've kind of locked into this new thing, which is interesting to me because when you're trying to just be, you know, the front man of a band or a singer-songwriter, there's kind of a very narrow idea of what you can present yourself to the world as, you know. There's your image, yeah. the kind of songs you write, you put out some singles, you try and get on radio, you try and play some gigs. Everyone's kind of... All, all, lane. all artists are trying to pick their lane, doing a very similar thing. And, yeah. it, and then then that comes to that, is it inherently you or is it more societal? You can think that this is what I should be. And it seems like maybe you've realised after a certain point in time that actually the artistic side of you is more suited to all these other things, not just writing songs, you know. And, well, I guess and as a result it, of that, it's gone even more well for you since you've started doing that. Yeah. No, well, and it's that thing too of, you know, when you're starting out as a musician and people talk about, you know, getting the momentum and and I was like, where the fuck is this momentum? Like, you know, it just <laughs> felt hard. Um, and I think when, I f- did, when we did the first run of this show and it went really well and I finally got to feel that thing of, you know, when you kind of just you strike on something that feels really good to you and other people like it and um, and it just feels like it's kind of mutually beneficial. Because I guess the other really exciting thing for me is that when I do the show and I talk to people and people email me and message me, like I'm, st- I'm learning all of the time and um, it feels like a really dynamic conversation and experience. And, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like in five years' time or ten years' time and, you know, I mean, I'll be menopausal then, but, you know, in the three years since we started doing it, the conversation has changed so much and it, it's just really exciting to be a part of that. I mean, Bonds have just released some period underwear, you know, like it's, it's all of this stuff is, is normal now. It's like, I mean, I know I'm in a bit of a menstrual bubble, but, um, you know, it's, it's, and I guess it's that sort of thing of, you know, um, when I first started, I remember someone saying, well, you know, you need to be careful because, you know, you could be known as just the period lady and, you know, you won't be taken <laughs> seriously as an artist. And I was like, well, whatever, like, I'm not, I'm not 
being taken seriously as an artist anyway. I'm just so if I just do what I want and just do what makes me happy and what makes me feel good, then that you know that's I mean yeah. It's weird how other like your peers or in a lot of the cases it's members of the industry. I'm speaking more from a place of the music industry, obviously, but the idea of the you know people forewarning you about which what what way to go about things, what to be careful of. Um, being known for this over that, I, I feel like there's a lot of encouragement in the music industry to only be one kind of thing. Absolutely. There was a guy at Big Sound who said to me, you know, like, you know, I've been following you for a while and I think your songs are great, but, you know, it's, you, you know, it's a bit confusing, you know, your image and your this and your that and your whatever and, you know, your whole branding is confusing and you need to kind of pick a lane and... And, um, and I, you know, I understand where he's coming from and, you know, they're trying to sell artists to bookers and show, you know, festivals and it's the whole thing, but it, for me, it really undermines an audience's, um, it's patronizing to the audience. It is patronizing and it infantilizes them. And it, it means that, you know, they can't appreciate people as, as just whole people who, you know, have personalities. I mean... mean, It seems to me it's more like a a kind of laziness on the part of, you know, those people who are in artist management that want to work with something that's very specific and easy to market and easy to communicate to other people. You know, it seems... That seems to... Whoever this guy was, it sounds... It's more about him being unable to wrap his head around how to work with that rather than what you're doing being wrong or right. Yeah, if I wasn't if I wasn't getting to sing, you know, then I think maybe I would feel like I'd lost a part of myself, but you know, going from sort of playing in sticky pubs at midnight to being in a theater where people are sitting down and they really want to participate and listen and you don't have to kind of fight to win them over. They just come in ready was mm. was really exciting, and um, it's been really fun to kind of play with that more and more, and you know, to just think about how I can make that a more fulfilling and enriching experience where you're really creating a world, and you're inviting people to come in and you know just experience something. And are you still writing music, or is it all very much built into? Um, the show and the book. I'm still, I still write songs. I mean, yeah, lately it's been, it's been a little bit lonely writing songs by myself, <laughs> but um, I have been really focused on the book up until pretty recently. Mm-hmm. Does the book have a name? Period Queen. Period Queen. Yeah. Cool. You, you talk about it's been a bit lonely writing by yourself. Are you, are you used to writing with other people or having other people to bounce things off? Totally the latter. Yeah, the bouncing bit I really enjoy, especially the production obviously and just, you know, bringing it to life with other instruments. And your, your process is usually, what's that guitar you have that's got four strings on it? The tenor guitar. The tenor guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, how's it kind of, did Lee Jones get that? Yeah, he got that for me in Nashville. Um, yeah, I, rem- I remember that was a few years ago. And, um, maybe four years it's, ago. Is it, is it tuned like a ukulele or, or the top half of a guitar or something? Yeah, it's just a guitar without the E and the A, without the heavy strings. Without the E and the A. I'm really starting to miss at least the A now. You know, it's like I can hear this kind of boom, boom, kind of this lower sound that I just I just can't 
have. Well, maybe that's the, that's the loneliness kicking in. <laughs> I, think, I think it is, yeah. <laughs> you need to be your own bass player now. Well, I do, well. Luke said I should just get a child's um, acoustic guitar and take the E off and just add the A so that I'm just gradually... Sure. Introducing, you know, one's not interested in the full guitar just yet. No, oh, I just don't like it. It's just, you know, I, it just feels like my hand doesn't. I don't know. Maybe I'm lazy. <laughs> it's whatever works for you, I guess. Is your process just to kind of strum around on that thing and then sing a tune and then put words to it? Uh, it's usually like there's a there's a lyric and there's a melody which. You know, I don't kind of sweat over too much at the beginning and then I just try and find it somewhere and then mm. see where it goes. So um, you've still got this EP that was kind of a part of the show mm. yet to come out, have you? Is that, And that's the one you did with Joel Quartermain? Yeah, so I did the EP with Joel um, after I recorded those demos in the in the woods by myself. I went and did the EP with him and then... Um, the overarching title track, if you like, is called Your Blood is Amazing and I recorded mm-hmm. that with um, Matt Geo, and we've just shot a little um, video clip for that and so that'll be out on May 15th. And then, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really... I got, I got to hear a sneak peek of that tune when I did a, a session with Geo a few weeks ago and uh, I loved it. I think it's one of the best things you've... Well, probably, yeah, probably the best recording you've done so far. It, it seemed to have a lot more uh, vocal production yeah, than yeah. usual. I just, I love that idea where, um, you know, vocals are intersecting and it's kind of like you've got, you know, two parts saying the same thing and yep. saying something different rather. And, and, I, and you know, in, with all the backing vocals, I loved this idea that, you know, because the, the EP is the four songs about the four phases of the cycle. So the first song mm. is called Feel It and that's about just, you know, really sinking into that space of surrender and tenderness. And then the second song is called She Who Dares Wins slash Queen of Her Country and that's about stepping into your power and just being a boss. And then the third song is called Everything. Fourth song is, and that's, you know, about being abundant and generous and just feeling like, you know, you have everything for everybody and it's infinite. And then the fourth song is called Carly's Coming. Carly's the goddess of destruction. And it's about just, you know, um, feeling like you're, what's the line? It says, um, I'm about to, I'm about to bring a whole world down inside of me. Don't expect you to understand or to be able to see. Leave me to my own devices. I want to set myself free. So that's about being premenstrual and just needing to figure it out on your own. So those are the four songs I did with Joel. And this fifth song with Matt is kind of the overarching celebration of, you know, this whole idea um, and you being connected to your blood and that it's, it's amazing. And so, yeah, it was really fun to do that with him and to kind of access all of those four different voices and bring them out, you know, mm. and some so of them. So these five songs will live together? Yeah. And um, when will we get to hear the whole lot? So Blood is Amazing comes out on May 15th. I've really tried to kind of work this all out, but um, Feel It comes out May 22nd 
And I think there's a new moon on May 23rd and my period's due around then too. So I've tried to <laughs> release them in sync with my cycle. So there'll be one song a week for five weeks from May 15th. I, li- I like that that rollout plan. It's a lot more refreshing <laughs> than the usual, uh, oh, we're going to put it out the day before Coldplay put out theirs, you know, just so it doesn't clash. But you're, you're only worried about the moon. Just the moon and, and my cycle, yeah, because I figured then I can speak to it while I'm in it and it will just be a bit more fun. Awesome. Well, I yeah. look forward to hearing all those songs in all their glory and reading your book and seeing the latest version of the show when we're all allowed to leave the house I and know, do such things again. I know, I <laughs> know. Cool. All right. I think that's a good place to leave it there. Thanks. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for hanging out with me. That got me off my... Look, I'd, I'd say I'm an 8.9. Yes. Yeah. We got that. Distinction. <laughs> it's yeah. been so cold at night I've been working, but I don't want to work. Okay. There we have it. Thanks once again to you guys for tuning in and listening. Obviously, thanks to Lucy for coming on and hanging out with me on the show uh, her book period queen is out for pre-order through all great book retailers dimmix booktopia amazon all of it uh so make sure you you get on top of that and whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on whether it's apple Podcasts, spotify acast iHeartRadio, find your little fingers wandering over to the uh subscribe button won't you you know leave us a little five star review you know do a little solid for your old mate timmy you know, we're all in this together, as a wise man, Ben Lee, once famously said. Uh, although he also said cigarettes will kill you, so what does he know? Um, look, it's been an absolute joy doing this once again, and I'll be doing it again next week. I know you're not going anywhere, so until then, stay safe and stay alive. Catch you later. Oh, come on, let's go, just take a Say